Welcome to Crosspoint Conversations, a podcast where we discuss cultural and theological questions from a biblical worldview. Each week we take your questions and discuss what the Word of God has to say about them. You can submit questions to podcasts at crosspointpgh.org. The views discussed in this podcast may not always represent the views of Crosspoint Church. Well, welcome everybody to um, another Crosspoint Conversation. Feels like it's been a while. Andrew's been in Spain. Um, and fresh off the boat. Fresh off the boat, uh, filled with a lot of uh, suntan, and um, but he had a great time it over was there. And quite sunny over there. Yes. What was the highest temperature? Hundred and four. And the humidity. And it was not a dry heat. Uh, no? It was very humid that day. So yes. Oh was. my. Yeah. You suffered in Spain. It was. There was some suffering there. Yes, it was one of the hottest on um, one of the hottest weeks that they've had in a while. So, yep, but it was good. We had a great trip. Kids all did wonderful. Um, if you don't know, we two families went over. We had six kids, ten and under. Um, so it was um, definitely an experience. We got a lot of looks going through the airport. Um, but yeah, Europeans aren't used to large families. They're not used to large families. So six kids was a bit of a change, but no, they kids did wonderful. A lot of great meetings. God's doing some amazing things in some of the areas and churches over there in Spain. And it was just a real privilege for us to be able to spend some time talking with some of the church planters and missionaries and learn more about what's going on over there. So yeah. Great. Well, Seth, you're about ready to head out on a tour. Do you have your contract ready and designating what you want in the green room? Working on it. Yeah, not sure how much I'll get from some of these venues, but uh, <laughs> if they can provide room temperature water and a place for me to play, that will, that will suffice. See, don't limit yourself to such barrenness. <laughs> Request those red <laughs> M&Ms. And, uh, when do you leave? Uh, September 12th is our first show, so we'll leave early from Pittsburgh and head out to Chicago, spend a few days up there. I have some friends up there, so I'm looking forward to seeing them. Good. And Chicago is the farthest north and west you'll be? What's the farthest east you'll be? Uh, Jersey. Uh, Up near New York City is the furthest. Okay. All right. Shameless plug, when are you coming to Crosspoint? September 24th. That's a Saturday? Saturday, 7 o'clock. All right. I hear Andrew Jorgensen is the promoter of that show, and he <laughs> said that there was going to be some red M&Ms in the green room. There will be red M&Ms because that means I get to eat all the other colors. So. Yeah, so Absolutely. the motivation is suspect. The, well, hey. well, listen, we've got a very interesting question from one of our church folks, and I, I think it's maybe something that's crossed all of our minds at times, and there's certainly some biblical answers to the question so let's ask it in this way it's really twofold did jesus have a human form prior to his birth and the second question it is is jesus fully god and fully man in heaven after the ascension or was it just on earth and so i think we can all agree and state from the very beginning that we do not believe there is any suggestion that he was fully human prior to his incarnation, his birth. But perhaps there's been some hints, some teachings, that there may have been some divine presence on earth throughout the history of the Old Testament. Yeah, I think that there are some 
debate over these, and you know that's not necessarily the the gist of the question here. So not to get too derailed, but you know Jacob wrestled with an angel, and after he wrestled, he said, you know, I have seen the face of God. And so, what was that? You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the in the furnace, and <clears throat> the angel appeared with them, and you know, was the angel of the Lord Jesus Himself? Was it another form of the Trinity? You know, there's a lot of speculation and debate over that, but but regardless, those would be more. I think you could classify those as more divine revelations, as opposed to Jesus actually taking on the 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 form of a human. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, the Hebrews certainly teaches that angels are ministering spirits, and sometimes you entertain them. Obviously, in the case of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it wasn't just entertainment; it was rescuing. But God sends his angels, and they're, they're, they're to minister on the behalf of God's people. And so as far as some pre-incarnate visitations from Jesus or from just, let's just say, the divine, is certainly presented in Scripture, um, like you said with Jacob and wrestling with God, seeing the face of God, those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. um, it would be a cool study for people to undertake on their own. And so um, was Jesus' body in any way different uh, from our bodies when he was born. Is there anything about him that is different, or is he just like us? Well, his physical body uh, was was just like ours. He was born, he was raised by his mom, he got cuts on his knees when he fell, he was nursed by his mom, uh, and he was raised just like we are. Um, the thing that's different was... His nature wasn't sinful. So before the fall, Adam and Eve had, they didn't have a sin nature. Um, and so when Christ comes, he is oftentimes called the second Adam or the greater Adam uh, yeah. because he did not have a sin nature. So I think you could kind of say that um, everybody born from Adam and Eve's fall were born with sin natures, except. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We're reading as a staff right now through the book of uh, Kevin DeYoung's Lord's Prayer. And in fact, this week, the chapter we were reading talks about the prayer of us to lead us not into temptation. And he talks in there about the three kinds of temptations. And number one, he says, sometimes the Bible portrays temptations as trials or testing. Number two, sometimes the Bible thinks of temptations as enticement to sin. And then number three, he says, there are those temptations that arise from within, those allurements to sin that are, etern- that are internal, originating from the power of indwelling sin. And he says this, these are the temptations Christ did not experience. He had no sinful lust. He had no misplaced desires in his heart. Jesus was tempted in suffering by trials and by the devil's words, but not from within by mm. fallen desires. Mm. And so I think there is a bit of a difference there that Christ experienced all the temptations and trials that we experienced, but he certainly did not have that sin nature. That's good stuff. And I think what you said, Seth, about him being the second Adam, um, people need to read that um, out of Romans, but it's really saying that uh, the reversal of sin was only going to be through Christ. Mm -hmm. And so he was born fully human, Mm. but without the 
susceptibility to, to sin like us, although he faced the temptation of every kind. Fair enough? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when he was raised from the dead, what was different about his body than before? So in other words, he, he was born fully man, died because he was fully human, and then was raised from the dead. What changed, if anything, in his resurrection? Yeah, and I think this is where it gets interesting, and this is maybe where some of the mystery of our own death and resurrection in Christ um, comes into play as well, because there were differences. He was raised in a glorified body, um, but yet there were also some similarities to that. And, you know, some scriptures here, um, first of all, he was still recognized by his disciples. Um, you know, on the road to Emmaus, there was a spiritual blindness that the, the Lord prevented um, their eyes from seeing Christ. And then it says in Luke 24, 31, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. So he had some similar features post-resurrection as he did pre-crucifixion. And yet also in that, you have Mary Magdalene mistaking Jesus in the, in the garden as a gardener, as somebody who was tending to the tombs. And she asked him, she said, do you know where they took the body? And, um, and it wasn't until Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher, that she recognized him. So it was his voice. It was something that he said or using her name. So there were certain things that were recognizable about him, certain things that maybe weren't. Um, and he still had his scars, John 20, verse 19. Um, uh, excuse me, uh, verse 20. He showed them his hands in his side, and it says, Then the disciples were glad when they saw that it was the Lord. Um, mm. So there were certain similarities. He carried the nail prints. He, he had some of the same appearances. Um, he ate with his disciples. Uh, he ate some broiled fish. And yet he could vanish and appear at will. Um, you know, there's, there's accounts of that in, in John chapter 20. Um, you know, John chapter 20, uh, verse 19, Jesus entered the room when all the doors were shut and locked. And so he just showed up in the middle of the room. So it's interesting because we see these glimpses of ways that he was very similar to his pre-crucifixion body, and yet also it was his glorified body. And so um, it was flesh and bones, but yet it was very different as well. And there's, there's one question we had amongst ourselves that feels somewhat unanswerable, but logically can be deduced. And that's the thought and it comes from the second half of the question, is he fully God and fully man in heaven after the ascension, or was it just on earth? And I think we're focusing on the heaven part of it. I think we three would agree when we're talking about heaven right now, we're talking about the intermediate state mm-hmm. where we go to before Christ comes again, brings about a new earth and raises our, our, our bodies into new bodies. So in heaven right now, if we were to die, would we see Jesus fully human and what are the implications of that for heaven itself and we we talked about it extensively and um kind of went off in different directions <laughs> well it's hard to think about because biblically christ was resurrected and he ascended with his physical body and we have no reason to believe that he's not in his physical body right now uh, i think we have a lot of reasons actually to believe he is and so that would mean that 
he's existing physically in heaven, which we don't know is if it's physical or not. Well, one thing I would say to that is part of the difficulty comes in how we understand physical as well. Because everything we know is physical right now is temporal. And so Jesus' Jesus's resurrected body is a physical body. There is no body in the tomb. They went to the tomb. The tomb is empty. And so he physically resurrected from the body or from the grave, but his body is not like we think of as physical because everything, the only thing we know right now, everything that is physical is temporal. And yet Christ in his glorified state is eternal. And so one day we will be raised physically, but not physically as in temporal, physically as in eternal. Mm -hmm. There will be a new earth that will be a physical, it will have walls. The new Jerusalem has walls in it. There will be certain physical aspects of it that aren't temporal. It's all eternal. And so it's really difficult because it's something that is so out of our scope of, of comprehension because we see so limited right now because our physical eyes are only seeing what is temporal. Yeah, so I, I think we can at least say that he was uh, he ascended into heaven in the resurrected body, which was flesh and blood, changed somewhat to a glorified body, but still flesh and blood. And that's the victory over death our bodies will have one day. That's the first among the raised, right? The mm-hmm. Colossians passage. And so the question I th- I'd like to end with, and these will be your ending thoughts, guys, would be kind of why is this even important that Jesus is fully human in heaven today on our behalf? Well, one thing... Um I thought a lot about in preparation and uh, read a good article on was Christ's mediation. Uh, and Hebrew talk, Hebrews talks a lot about uh, high priests and what their role is on behalf of men. Uh, Hebrews 5 uh, verse 1 says, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God and offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. A little bit later, it says about Christ, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And he says also in another place, you are a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And so Christ was our high priest in flesh and bone. Uh, And in order to continue being our high priest, Christ uh, has to continue to be flesh and bone, to be like us uh, although perfect, to be our continued high priest, uh, to mediate on our behalf before the Father. Yeah, and I, I think for for my for closing thoughts on from me, from me, First Corinthians fifteen seventeen comes to mind. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your mm-hmm. sins. Like the necessity of the resurrection of Christ is. For the, for, for the forgiveness of our sins. If Christ isn't raised, if there's no resurrection, bodily resurrection, then Scripture says we're still in our sins. Earlier, Paul says that, that our preaching is vain. All that we're doing is, is just worthless. There's no point to it all. And so part of that resurrection is the bodily resurrection of Jesus, the glorification of his body. And then as Seth, you said, the, the ascension where he is our mediator, he's our intercessor before the throne of God. 
I came across this quote by Johnny Erickson Tata um, that I, I, I just thought summarized so well the importance of Christ in heaven, the picture of Christ in heaven, in his bodily form, having his scars. And, and she says this, will Jesus bear his scars in heaven? Revelation 5, 6 describes the scene. I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. I have an inkling he will be the only one who will retain the painful reminders of his earthly journey. We, on the other hand, will bear no scars. All of our tears will be wiped away. The scars of Jesus will not be painful for us to see, but will be an eternal reason for us to rejoice. That's really powerful, especially written by a woman in a wheelchair for uh, her almost her whole life mm-hmm. and loving the Lord in spite of it all. I think my final thought would be simply that um, his incarnation was so he could die for our sins. Um, his resurrection is victory over death, which affects all of our bodies. And so why would it be altered uh, once he entered into heaven to sit at the right hand of, of the Father? Uh, because that symbol of victory, not only in his scars, but also just in his human form, is what the ultimate goal of God is in redeeming the whole world. All the universe has been in chaos because of our sin, and he's going to redeem it all. That's the big victory over Satan and his evil intent towards all of humankind. Is uh, The resurrection of Christ is the first evidence that change is a coming. Amen. And it's all by the hand of God, and it's our hope, right? So, praise be to God for that. Well, that's a good question. It can make us go off in many different tangents, but we're very, very grateful for questions like that. If you have a question, please send it to podcast at crosspointpgh.org, and that will be uh, digested by each one of us, and we will be happy to answer it in time. Uh, In the meantime, uh, please attend church and worship the Lord together as we proclaim Him as the fully resurrected God and man who is mediating on our behalf even now. Praise be to him.